All right. Thank you, Drew. Happy New Year, everyone. Excited that you're here with us this weekend. Excited to be sharing with you, kicking off a new series called Do You Even Lift, Bro? Um, this is that time of year where everybody's sort of all about upgrading our lives, making changes. I saw this image on social media. I thought it was a classic. It said, the gym this week. <laughs> Won't be the gym next week, but the gym this week, right? Um, around our house, my wife Lori has discovered this show on Netflix called Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. Now, I don't know if you've seen this show, but this is a very kind of sweet, kind Japanese woman. Uh, she actually does the show in Japanese with English subtitles, and she teaches you how to tidy up things around your house. So I'm walking through the living room, I'm like, what, what's happening right now? What, what, what's going on? My wife's like, I'm learning about tidying up. And so here, here's, here's Marie Kondo's thing, is you, you go around the house and you take all the, every item of clothing that you have, and you hold it in your hands, and you determine, does it make me feel joy? If it makes you feel joy, you keep it. If it doesn't make you feel joy, you get rid of it. And so Lori has done this. She's gone through every item in her closet, right? She's getting it out, she holds it. Now, Marie Kondo does this sort of um, impression. She says, you know, what, is it, what does it look like if, if you feel joy? And she says, it looks like this. She says, you take it in your hands. Joy. Or you take it in your hands and you're like, not joy. Anyway, I went in my closet. I thought Lori did her closet. Maybe I'll do my closet. I looked down and I've got three professional teams football jerseys in my closet. I thought, okay. So I grabbed the, my Golden Knights jersey. I'm like, how do I feel right now? And that's exactly what I thought. I'm like, whoo, I feel joy. Yes. Then I grabbed my Dallas Cowboys jersey. And since they won last night, I'm like, I'm feeling the joy, baby. Then I grabbed my Raiders jersey. Some sadness. Mixed with excitement, because it can only get better from here, people, right? It can only get better from here. But anyway, I'm keeping all my jerseys, no matter how they make me feel. But that's what's going on around our house. Lori's tidying up. It's a new year. It's time to clean stuff and get organized. People are thinking about how can I be a better parent or a better friend or a better coworker? How can I grow spiritually? How can I get in better shape? All of us are having different kind of thoughts and conversations around that. Um, you know, years ago, uh, people on uh, different weightlifting forums would, would start having disagreements about certain things that you should do to build muscle and really make gains. And people would eventually respond to that by just asking that question, do you even lift, bro? Like, do you even do this? Like, why are you giving this kind of advice? If you show up at the gym and you just walk around taking selfies and drinking protein shakes and you don't really do anything, you know who you are. You're there for the social hour, right? You know, you're like, hey, what's up? You know, and you go, look, eventually somebody's going to come up and say, hey, do you even lift, bro? Like, what are you doing? Are you here to make gains? Are you really trying to make gains? Because making gains is hard. Listen, if something doesn't challenge you, it is unlikely to change you. If something doesn't challenge you, it is unlikely to change you. 
And so if we want to make gains personally this year, we want to make gains spiritually, then we need to be challenged in our lives. We need to be pushed a little bit. Uh, muscles are built when you break them down, and then they're built back up together. In fact, even though, you know, like, like I, I don't work out at the gym. I just work out at home. I've got a little room, and, and uh, it's not real fancy. I've got a squat rack, a barbell, and some old-school barbell plates, and I've got uh, one of those old-school Airdyne bikes. They call them the misery machines. It's all you need. It's all I need. It's more than I can handle, right? And I have this little sign that I have made to put in my little room where I work out, and uh, the sign has my two slogans of the year. Uh, we'll bring it up here on the screen. Uh, first one just is do hard things. And that's my own personal reminder to me that, look, as you get older, it's easier to just slide into doing easy things, just doing similar things doing the same things, but if it doesn't challenge me, it's not going to change me. I want to keep growing. I want to keep learning. I want to keep stretching. And so I got to do hard things. So put some more weight on the barbell. Second one is just finish. <laughs> I want to be the kind of person that finishes what I start. And so I've been reminding myself every time I go in my little gym area, like, do hard things, finish, do hard things, finish. Making gains is a challenge. It's difficult. It's not easy in our lives. And a lot of times when we uh, set out to make changes and we don't make those changes, we think it's just a breakdown of willpower. And certainly willpower uh, studies show we only have a limited amount of it in our lives. It does begin to break down. And then you can start to feel hopeless. You start to feel stuck. You start to feel like, you know, there's no way you're ever going to actually change. And I want to look with you over the next several weeks at at not only willpower, but at more than that, at God power and how his power can work in our lives and some other pieces of the puzzle that can help us experience change. In fact, let's bring this puzzle piece uh, up on the screen. Um, you see in the far corner, it says want power. Want power is the desire to actually want uh, what God wants for you in your life, the desire to change. Some of us, we know we should change. We just don't want to change. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, you do. We're going to talk today about how we can pray that God will give us want power to make the changes that we feel like we need to make in our lives. Then we need friend power. It's like, it's like uh, uh, peer pressure in a positive sense working in our lives. And in the course of the next few weeks, we're going to talk about friend power and how that can have a huge influence in our life. Then we need habit power. Habit power. Listen, the biggest changes that will come in your life and mine will often come because of the smallest habits. The biggest changes in your life and mine will often come because of the smallest habits. And so if we're willing to embrace small habits and make small changes in our lives, eventually it can have a huge impact. So we're talking about habit power. Then we're going to talk about grit power. Just, you know, the tenacity to see it through to the end. And I want to encourage you, if there's an area in your life that you've tried to beat for years and years and years, if there's something in your life you've wanted to change, if you sense that God is calling you to deal with something, make a commitment to be 
here each week and really allow God to speak to you and lean in because this next series is all about making personal and spiritual gains and how we can do that in our lives. And to do it for the next several weeks, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 in the New Testament of the Bible, which is just a great chapter about how God wants to change us from the inside out. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring this scripture up on the screen like we do here at Central. I'll read it out loud when we get to the red word. I ask you to just read that word out loud here with me. And let's see what the Bible says. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has what? Done. All he's done for you. So we're, we're to offer ourselves to God. And give your bodies implies give your heart, your soul, kind of all that you are to God because of all that he's done for you. It's in view of God's great mercy towards you and me that we respond to him in this way. It says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And uh, this is a powerful way to start the new year. You know, a sacrifice in the ancient world was something that would be brought to an altar. It was something that was dead, and it would be placed on, an, on the altar as a sacrifice, right? But it's interesting, the Bible says that we're to present our bodies, our whole selves to God as a holy and living sacrifice. So we're a little bit of a different sacrifice because we're still alive. But here's what I know about things that are alive. They can get on the altar, and they can get off the altar. Come on, somebody. Right? You can surrender, you can give yourself to God last year, but you still need to get up there again and say, God, I offer myself to you, I surrender to you, because you're a living sacrifice, which means you can move. So we want to stay in that place of saying, God, we offer all of our heart to you. We want to start with God. You know, I don't know how your holidays have been. I hope they went great. We had a great Christmas holiday. And after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's and, and this last week, I've just been in a little bit of a funk. I don't know, I think after all the Christmas services or whatever, I just walking around, I was discouraged, I was sort of depressed, I just, you know, just frustrated by a lot of things. And, and I, I realized what was happening. I, I was thinking back on 2018, and everybody's talking about it's a new year and all this, but I was focusing on the things that I lost in 2018, right? I was focusing on my disappointments. I had some, 2018. I had things that I hoped I would do that I didn't ultimately get done. I had things that I thought would turn out a certain way. They didn't really turn out that way. Uh, there were parts of my life that I didn't think would be as hard as they were last year. One thing about life, you can't see it coming, right? And so you look in the rearview mirror and you're like, that's not really the way I thought that was going to play out. And I just found myself focusing on my hurt, focusing on my failures, focusing on my disappointments of the last year, and it led to in a downward spiral in my life. And I had to stop myself and remind myself that I needed to change the direction of my reflection. And if you want to have a great year this next year, you got to change the direction of your reflection. What I mean is I had to stop and say, hey, listen, am I going to focus on my pain and frustrations last year? Or am I going to focus on how God showed up and moved and worked in my life this last year? Am I going to focus on those that left me? Or am I going to focus on those that stayed? 
Am I going to focus on those that betrayed me, or am I going to focus on those that showed up and surprised me with their kindness to me, right? Like, am I going to focus on, you know, all the losses, or am I going to focus on what God has done? And I just sat there and realized, Judd, you have to change the direction of your reflection. If you start with your disappointments, you're going to end disappointed. But listen, if you start with God, you're going to end with gratitude, because you're going to remember Remember all that he did for you in your life. And so always, we go into this new year, I just want you to stop. You might have had disappointments. You might have had frustrations last year. Things may have been hard last year. But I want to just ask you these questions. Was God good to you last year, even through it all? God faithful to you last year, even through it all? Did God see you through it, even when you didn't know if you'd get through it? Did God walk with you when others turned their back on you? Was God there for you? If he was there for you then, he'll be there for you tomorrow. Remember all that he has done. Change the direction of your reflection. And that will prepare you then to go into the year with the right attitude. It's what I've been trying to do in my life, and it's made a difference. So here's some thoughts on how we can make some personal and spiritual gains this year. First one is to pray for want power. To pray for want power, the desire to actually change. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the comedian Jim Gaffigan. Uh, he's one of the few comedians out there that's funny and actually mostly clean, which is almost nobody. And so uh, anyway, he says a lot about the gym. I couldn't resist. I just had to kick the new year off with a few comments from Gaffigan about the gym. He says, I went to the gym and I saw this girl's ribs and I was like, I haven't had a McRib in forever. <laughs> All right. It's discouraging. He's talking about the gym. He says, it's discouraging when you see how few calories you burn. 50 calories? What's that? Like smelling a Big Mac? <laughs> All right, watching a 90-year-old on an elliptical really inspires me to die in my 70s. <laughs> okay, the most annoying people at the gym are those in exceptionally good shape. I'm like, what are you doing here? You're done. <laughs> oh, I love it. We often think when we can't make changes in our lives that it's just a breakdown of discipline. And certainly it is, but also in that is a breakdown of desire, right? It gets hard, it gets difficult, and our desire starts to kind of uh, lose its effect in our lives. And when it comes to desire, the good news is if we will present our bodies as living and holy sacrifices to God, if he will make him number one in our lives, if we will put him on the pedestal of our life, then we will put ourselves in a position where God can change the desires of our heart. The Bible says he'll not only give us the power to change, he'll give us the desire to change as we surrender to him and follow him. And there's a lot of things we can put on the pedestal of our lives. I've got a pedestal up here. And, um, you know, if you think about this pedestal, there's a promise that the pedestal often makes to many of us in our lives. And that is, whatever we put as the number one thing on our pedestal, the promise is, give me everything you have, and I'll give you everything you want. Give me everything you have, I'll give you everything you want. And so people put different things on their pedestal. Uh, you know, some people put beauty and attractiveness on as the number one thing. This is Wonder Woman right there. And then uh, thinking about you ladies, Aquaman. 
And so, you know, if, if it's all about being beautiful or attractive, which is a great thing, you want to take care of yourself, all that good, I get it. But if that becomes the primary thing in your life, the thing that drives you, you're going to be at the gym every day. You're going to work out probably twice a day. You're going to monitor every single thing you put in your mouth. You're going to watch all your food, all your intake. You may have a regular reoccurring appointment at a plastic surgeon's office. You're going to do all kinds of things to, like, take care of yourself and be beautiful because the promise of the pedestal is if you give me all that you are, I will give you all that you want. The challenge is you're going to find yourself frustrated. <laughs> eventually, them gray hairs are going to come in. You can color them, but eventually that wrinkle is going to start showing up. And if that is where your heart is primarily, you're eventually going to be disappointed and frustrated. Other people put money and success as the number one thing on the pedestal. Just to make more, to have more, to get more. And money is a wonderful tool, but listen, it is a horrible God. It's a wonderful tool, it's a horrible God. Because if it begins to run your life, it can start to ruin your life. You can get to the end of your life and have earned a lot of money, done a lot of things, but if you don't have anybody around you that loves you, that you love, if you don't have family and friends around you to celebrate that with, then you missed out on so much of what life was about. Other people, they put um, hobbies up on the pedestal. This is an old school Nintendo right here. <laughs> Kids, ask your parents what this, what this was. Um, B-A, what is it, B-A-B-A? -A. Uh, what's Contra? Anybody remember the Contra code? I love you, man. That's why I love my church. I can count on you. I love games. I love having fun. I love hobbies. Like, all that stuff's great, right? But again, you make that the number one thing in your life, it's going to demand everything from you. It's going to make a lot of promises to you, and ultimately, it's not going to deliver. The only one that can deliver on the promise, ultimately, is God. If you... Give all that you are to God, he can give you everything you really want. And what I mean by that is he can change your desires, change your heart, change you into the kind of person he desires for you to be, and fulfill your desires as well. you got to put him number one on the pedestal, in that number one spot. Look at this. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12, says this. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. So we've received salvation. It's a gift that God has given us. But notice the Bible's saying we still have to work hard to show the results of that. That's on us. That's stuff we got to do. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. But we're not the only ones who work. Look at this. For God is working in you, giving you the what? Desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, I love that verse because that verse tells you God can give you the desire and the power to please him. And that's a simple prayer that we could pray this week where we just say, God, help me want what you want for me. God, help, help align my desires with your desires. God, give me the desire to be the person you desire for me to be. Sometimes we don't always have that desire in us, but we can acknowledge we need it. <laughs> we can acknowledge we want it, and we can start with a simple prayer asking God to move and work in our lives. Pray for want power. 
or whatever it is that you feel like you need to change in your life. Here's another thought, and that's just start small. Start small. I don't know if there's any fans of Mark Wahlberg uh, from his movies or, you know, probably not from his music days, Marky Mark. Um, but anyway, he's always this sort of ripped actor guy. And, um, you know, Mark has uh, uh, posted online on social media his, like, schedule for how he stays in shape. And it's just crazy. And so, you know, I wanted to just share this with you. This is uh, Mark Wahlberg's typical daily schedule. <laughs> 2.30 a.m., wake up. Really? That's not right. 2.45, prayer time. Now, he's, he's a committed Catholic, so he's, I know, I know prayer is probably very important. 2.45, prayer time. 3.15 a.m., breakfast. 3.40, 2.15, workout. 5.30, post-workout meal. Listen, I'm not even up yet. He's already work, gotten up, prayed, spent time with God, worked out, had two meals, showered. Amazing, right? Like 5.30, post-workout meal, 6 a.m., shower. 7.30, golf, 8 a.m., snack. By the time I'm heading to work, he's already golfed and worked out and showered and ate. It's crazy. Now, I don't understand that 6 to 7.30, hour and a half for dinner and 30 minutes for golf. I'm not sure what was going on there. But anyway, 9.30, cryo chamber recovery, 10.30, snack, 11, family time meetings, work calls, 1 o'clock lunch, 2 o'clock meetings and work calls, 3 p.m., pick up kids from school, 3.30, snack, 4 Workout number two, you lazy bums. Number two. Most of us haven't even gotten to workout number one. We're still lying to ourselves that we're going to do it on the way home. Workout number two, 5 p.m., shower, 5.30, dinner and family time, and 7.30, bedtime. That's a lot going on. No wonder that guy needs a lot of snacks. And you look at a schedule like that, and it's easy to get discouraged when you see something like that. I mean, some people might get motivated by seeing that because it's like, oh, you know, if he can get up at 2.30 in the morning, I can get up at 7.30 and go for a walk, you know, <laughs> right? Like, so I guess it could inspire you in that sense, but I don't know. I just, I think for me, I just feel like a loser. You know, I just look at that and I'm like, man, if that's what it takes to be in shape, then I'm just good with not being in shape. And I'll just stay kind of right where I'm at. That's a lot of work, people. I feel overwhelmed as it is. And I'm just trying to live a normal life, you know? So here's the thing. I think that schedule from Mark Wahlberg, that's a schedule that he built up to for years and even decades in his life. That's his finish line. That's a schedule that he perfected over a long time that works for him. But you never want to compare your starting point to somebody else's finish line. Come on, you don't want to compare your starting point to somebody else's finish line. Okay, good for Mark. He gets up at 2.30. Well, maybe I'll just get up and put tennis shoes on. That's a start. And you know what? If that's your starting place, don't compare it to his finish line and get discouraged. Just remember that's where you start. Listen, it is always better to start small. And when you think about changes in your life, remember the biggest changes always come from the smallest adjustments. And so when you think about this next year, things that you want to change, I want to encourage you to start small. Bring it down to little bitty things that you can do. You don't have to have big, lofty, huge things. Listen, it is way better to win small than to lose big. Right? It's better to win small 
than to lose big. John Acuff wrote a whole book about how we finish stuff in our lives, and he surveyed a lot of people to get a lot of information. And one of his kind of rules of thumb after talking to a lot of people about goals and how they finish them and how they accomplish them was this. He said, take whatever your goal is, and he said, either half the goal or double the time. Either half the goal, or in other words, he's saying, set a smaller goal. I'm gonna lose 20 pounds in two months. Maybe 20 pounds in four months, right? Maybe just 10 pounds a couple months, right? And if you, if you make the wins smaller, you position yourself then to, to feel like you're getting more victories along the way. But don't compare kind of where you, comparison is the killer of joy. I was in Whole Foods a while back, and uh, I go to Whole Foods, it was actually right after church, and I got some chicken, I called it in, and they were going to put it on the grill. They'll do this for you, Whole Foods, it's amazing, right? Like, because they'll cook it. <laughs> it's great for me, because I could just show up and pick it up, boom. So I, I show up, and I go back to the, to the grill. It's not ready yet. I'm like, okay. You know, he says, it'll be a little while. I say, okay. You know, so I, I start walking around Whole Foods. And I'm seeing all these people that are just in such amazing shape. I mean, it was crazy. Like, I'm standing there, and there's a guy in front of me. I'm like, look at that guy's biceps, man. Dang. It's just a dude standing in Whole Foods. People just look like that. It's like the Wolverine or something. So I walk around the next aisle, you know, and, and then here's another guy, and, and his shirt was, was kind of cut real, real open, and, and he'd been over, and I could, like, see all of his abs. Like, you know, we're talking an eight-pack here, and I'm like, dang, man, I'm used to the keg. I don't understand the, the eight-pack, right? And I'm just watching, and then I, I'm on another, and, I'm, and I've, I really just started thinking, Man, you're a loser, Judd. You got to get it together. People have upped the game, man. Everybody's just in amazing shape. They're all like huge. Wow. So I go back to get the meat. This is all going through my head. I go back and I'm like, is it ready? He goes, man, it's still not ready. He goes, you know, there's a bodybuilding convention in town and all these guys ordered all this meat. I look, it's all covered with meat. He's like, it's going to be another 20 minutes. I'm like, that's what it is. It's not fair. I was comparing myself to an unrealistic standard. That's why I don't work out at the gym, because you go to the gym, you look around, you're like, man, look at all these amazing looking people. But man, you work out at the old YMCA where I used to work out, you're like, I'm doing pretty good. I think I'm awesome. <laughs> Come on. Don't compare your starting place with somebody else's finish line. You start where you need to start. Start small. Let God work in it. Look at Romans 12 again. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, what? Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God is in the transformation business, and he does it by changing the way we think. Now, that word uh, transform is a fascinating word. Um, remember the, the, the old television show, The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Anybody remember those guys? Remember, like, it was just these everyday people sudden kind of have this moment where they would have this rallying cry and, and they would say, they would say what? It's morphin time. And when it was morphin time, all of a sudden they would change into these amazing individuals. What's fascinating is the word morph, at the root of it is in the Greek word translated transform. What he's saying is, look, God wants to morph you. It's morphing time. 
He morphs you by changing how you think. And he changes how you think as you expose yourself to who he is and what he said. He says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So let God transform the way you think. I'm trying to do that in three different ways this year. Every day, I'm just trying to wake up and remember to do three things. One, I wanna remember what God has done. That's been my commitment. Like, I'm just gonna wake up. It doesn't have to be a big, long thing. But I'm not gonna start my day with my disappointments. I'm gonna start my day with God because that will lead to gratitude. I'm gonna remember what God has done, okay? The second thing I'm trying to do every day is I'm gonna remember what God has said. So I use the Bible app. It's a simple app. Just type Bible on your phone or mobile device, whatever, Android, Apple. It's out there. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. All kinds of reading plans, all kinds of things. A minute a day or three minutes a day or 10 minutes a day, it's way more important that you do it regularly and consistently than how long you do it in one sitting, right? So even if it's just a little bit, start small. Okay, I want to remember what God has said. Then the third thing I want to do is I just want to remember to yield. I want to remember to yield when God leads. I came up to a stop. It was a four-way stop, and there was yellow blinking lights all the way around. And I came up and stopped, and this other car came up and stopped. And we did that thing that you kind of do when everybody's sort of stuck in that moment. Because when you yield, you, you, know, you let the guy go first. So I'm like, yeah, go ahead. He looks at me, and he says, well, you, you go ahead. I'm like, no, 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 you, you, you go ahead, really, you know, it's okay. He looks back at me. No, no, you, you go ahead, really. I'm like, no, no, you go, you go, you go. And then at the same time, we both went. You ever done this? Whoop, and then we both hit our, bra- hit our brakes, and then we start the process over again. I'm like, no, no, you go. He's like, no, no, you go. No, no, and at that point, I'm like, somebody better go or we're going to die. <laughs> you know, right? So I finally go. But I started thinking about that because when it comes to yielding to God, Sometimes that's kind of how I yield. I come to an intersection between what I want and what God wants. And I'd love to tell you every time I just wait and I say, go ahead, God, I'm going to go with what you want. But sometimes I come, I come to that intersection. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of yielding. I'm, I'm, you, you go ahead, God, you go ahead. Or, 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 okay, I'll go. Oh, wait. Oh, you know, and then I'm stuck, right? I'm out in the intersection. How'd this happen? And so I've been just thinking about this word yield and how powerful it is for growth in our life. Look, if it doesn't challenge you, it's unlikely to change you. So when I come up to challenging decisions in my life and intersections where there's what I want and there's where I have clarity about what God wants, again and again, I just want to yield. Because I look back over my life, every time I've yielded to God, I've never regretted it. Never regretted it. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you need to forgive You've been carrying around some hurt and some bitterness, and you may not even know how to admit it to yourself, but you've kind of fallen in love with that hurt and that bitterness. You get to that, that yield place, and you sense God's just leading you like, hey, you need to let this go. You need to forgive. If you'll yield, that's how you'll make gains. It may challenge you. It does. That's how you make gains. You may come up to a place in your life where you sense God is calling you to trust him with some of your finances, to give back to him a portion of what he's blessed you with. And you think, well, I don't have enough. It's not even enough for me. But, but you know there's plenty when it comes to God's economy and what God's doing, and he's challenging you to trust him. And look, if, it, if you're not being generous at a place where it challenges you a little bit, it's probably not going to change you. But you say, God, I'm, I'm going to yield. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put you first 
in my finances in my life. I don't think you'll ever regret it. Uh, somebody in your life that you sense God's calling you to serve and to help, and you come to that place, there's what you want to do and you know, the time that you have and how you want to spend what you think God's leading you to do. You'll never regret yielding to God. And so I'm trying to remember. Remember what God has done. Remember what God has said. And just remember to yield. Just remember to yield. Follow God's lead in my life. And if we'll do that, I think we'll position ourselves for an awesome, awesome year. It's not in the big changes. Sometimes it's just in the little changes, right? It's way better to win small than to lose big. Sometimes you got to step back and change the direction of your reflection. You start with God, you'll end with gratitude. You start with disappointments, you're going to end disappointed. Change the direction of your reflection. And then all of us in our lives, I think we can step back and realize if anything else runs our life other than God, very likely to ruin our life. But if we'll let God run our life and we'll yield to him, we'll experience all kinds of gains. So friends, I don't know where you're at in your life. Maybe you've never really yielded. Maybe you've never said, I surrender to you, God. I believe in you. I trust you. And I'd love to just give you that opportunity to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you'd like to become a follower of Jesus today, you can begin that journey by just repeating a simple prayer after me, either out loud or, or in your heart and mind, where you ask God to come into your life and you profess your faith and your trust in Jesus. So I'd like to ask all of you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you'd like to become a follower of Jesus today, you can begin that journey by repeating this prayer after me. Say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. Friends, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just make eye contact with me. Just to say before God, to say to me, you're going to follow him in your life today. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Slip your hand in the air. Thank you. Thank you. God, we thank you for your love. I thank you for each person just reaching out to you. I pray you'll fill them with your love, your joy, and your peace. May they experience your forgiveness, your power, your support in their life every day. God, we give you thanks and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.